Our second message this afternoon is for Mr. Lawrence Gregory. It is entitled, The Ninth Commandment. Lawrence. Most adult Bible students know the Ten Commandments, but not always necessarily in order. Just as Jesus in Matthew, the 19th chapter, when he was listing the last six commandments, listed the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, then the fifth, then the tenth. Either he just got them out of order, as he did several other lists when uh, you go through the scriptures, you'll see sometimes he got things out of order but came back and corrected it. Or else it was a writer, Matthew, that just didn't hear right or wrote it down wrong. So we don't know for sure, but uh, one thing we do know that uh, children seem to be a lot better at uh, listing the Ten Commandments many times than us adults. Like if I ask everyone here the Ten Commandments, we could all probably say them, but to get them in exact order, sometimes we need a list or we have to think about it a little bit. Uh, maybe that's just me. Uh, it might be you. Uh, hopefully we know all the Ten Commandments. But uh, it may be sometimes we don't have them in the exact order. Now, here in Matthew, the 19th chapter, where uh, I was referring, in uh, verse 17 is where he listed those commandments, but not necessarily in order. Of uh, The way he gave them to Moses, wrote them with his finger on the tablets of stone. And uh, the order that we have now, like on our wall over here, where we have the Ten Commandments listed. He said in verse 18, he said unto him, uh, the young man said, uh, which are the commandments? And Jesus said, uh, told him uh, uh, the list in verse 18. And he said in verse 17, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And so he listed those commandments then. Then in John 14, verse 21, he said that uh, if you love me, in essence, you'll keep my commandments. Those that keep my commandments will love me. And in 1 John, the third chapter, let's turn there, 1 John 3, 23, beginning in verse uh, 22. And John also, I'll, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, no, that's not right. First John, First John, three twenty-two. Let me go there. First John, three twenty-two. Okay, and who's and whatsoever I'm reading off the wall. Whatsoever we ask, we receive him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We know that. Verse twenty-three, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his Son Jesus. Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwells in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given us. So we all know these scriptures. What it's saying is if we love God, we're going to keep his commandments. We're going to keep the commandments of Jesus. And uh, in Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verse uh, 14, we know this uh, warning. Blessed are they that do his commandments. That includes us that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So that seems to indicate also that those who don't keep the commandments won't be there. 
they won't be saved and won't be entering into. So right off, what I'm just saying here is we know the importance without spending a lot of time going through a lot of scriptures of the significance and the importance of keeping the Ten Commandments of God. Uh, the uh, dress, the scriptures, the point of the message today is uh, one that seems to be so relevant today, though it seems to be ignored, taken lightly, uh, broken by so many uh, children, adults, politicians, religious people, business people. Uh, it seems like so many people are breaking this ninth commandment. Let's go to Exodus, the 20th chapter, and we'll see Exodus 20 and uh, verse 16 says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, if you'll take a thesaurus, like I did, and you'll see there's several pages that are devoted to uh, falsehood, lying, bearing false witness. You can have many, many terms, and I didn't uh, bring my thesaurus to read all of those uh, different synonyms and the antonyms for uh, the opposite, for uh, falsehood or lying or uh, prevaricating, uh, half-truths, deceiving, deceptions. We have a lot of uh, terms that we use to downplay and to... Uh, make light of the truth. Now, some of us longtime members remember Herbert Armstrong used to say uh, this, uh, not knowing for sure, I hesitate to say, because I think we all realize sometimes, you know, we'll respond to something in a, in a, maybe with a partial information or just inadvertently off the cuff, we might say something that might be 90% correct, and then later we realize, you know, I, I didn't fully elaborate on that. I didn't explain everything. If we can, we need to correct it. If not, we all need to at least, as Ron was saying earlier, pray about it and ask God to uh, forgive us and to uh, help us uh, correct that so that we have, uh, as the foundation of our character, truth and in no way any portion of uh, bearing false witness. Now, most of us in this commandment here, uh, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Most of us have not been in a legal situation where we have to either be a witness or uh, a prosecutor or a defendant in a case, any of those three uh, in court. So some of us go through life not ever having been in court where we have to say I affirm or I am to tell the truth in, in a court legal hearing. But the second part of that is uh, something that so many of us uh, have to deal with, and that is, uh, as I said before, uh, the personal relations with our neighbor, the deceptions, uh, saying a word against our neighbor, either uh, avoiding or stating something that is not true. Now, I've got several interesting biblical uh, examples today that I want to share with us. Uh, some that seems to be outright lies some that seems to be uncertain, and we, we just try to figure out, well, was that a lie, or was it the truth, or some of we may not know exactly until we get a chance to visit with some of those folks that we're going to reference here today to see exactly what is the truth about that. Let's go to the first example. I've got uh, several here. The first example is in the book of Kings, 1 Kings 22. 
in verse 19 through 23. Now, this is a, a time when um, Israel and uh, Judah were at war with uh, Syria. And uh, beginning of verse uh, 19, uh, the prophet said, Hear you the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. So there was a heavenly council and different input from different uh, uh, creatures or beasts or elders or angels that were contributing. Let's try this or try that. And they were uh, considering. And there came forth a spirit. Now, some translations will say, an emphatic, the spirit, as a reference to uh, either a demon or the devil. There came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I'll persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, wherewith? Well, how are you going to do it? And he said, I'll go forth and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Now, it's recorded earlier that... Uh, Ahab and uh, Jehoshaphat had hundreds of prophets that were false prophets that spoke evil. But uh, this uh, Micaiah, he always spoke the truth and, and the king uh, didn't like him because, you know, he would always uh, speak the truth to him and tell him. But anyway, this spirit said, I'll go forth and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And God said, you shall persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets, and the Lord has spoken evil concerning you. Now, this is God working. He's made the decision. He's given the permission for this spirit to go and to lie. So, even though it's not fully clear in the context, and so he went out and told and convinced Ahab, and, and what happened was Ahab was killed inadvertently. Uh, by chance, remember, and they, they washed the chariot, his blood off, and the dogs lift up just uh, the blood as the prophet had uh, decreed earlier. So God gave permission for this to happen. Didn't be, be uh, that he necessarily directed it or uh, instigated it, but he allowed it to happen. Just as God allows a lot of things to go on in the world, we know, without and through his permission, like the devil and, and the things that came into existence, and yet he doesn't directly uh, bring it about. Some he does. Now, that's God working. But uh, that's an interesting example here of uh, God using a lying spirit that went and accomplished what God had predicted and prophesied would happen. And so all of these events, you can read all of this. I'm not going to take the time on that today just to see how this scenario works out. Uh, then uh, let's go to 1 Samuel, the 20th chapter. Back up. 1 Samuel 20. And uh, this is the time. Uh, we'll go to verse 28 and 29. Uh, let me uh, read this. Uh, Jonathan is talking to Saul, his father, and he's lying to him. And Jonathan answered Saul, 
because he had asked, where was David? David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, let me go, I pray you, for our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother, he has commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in, in your eyes, let me get away, I pray you, and see my brethren. He's saying, this is what David was saying to him. Therefore, he came not unto the king's table. And Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. He told him he wasn't going to sit on the throne as long as David was alive. So now, back up a little bit. What happened was, uh, in the earlier part of the chapter, uh, Saul was trying to kill David. And they had a new moon festival, which was, lasted two days. And uh, David had come privately, and, and Jonathan had met him privately because Saul was trying to kill David. And uh, so they agreed back in verse 18. Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you shall be missed because your seat will be empty. And so he made this plan. David, you go out and hide in the field and uh, stay hiding in the field. And then when it's safe, I'll send you a signal. And he had it worked out with the little archer boy and uh, recovered the arrows. You can read all of that story. Now, David and he had conspired to David to hide in the woods. So what Jonathan told his father was a lie. He did it to save David's life. Now here's a question to you. Let's say somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to go kill Lawrence Gregory. Where is he? <laughs> I hope you'll say what I'm going to say if they say that about you. I'm not going to tell you. Cost me my life. I want to cut your head off. Well, not knowing for sure, I hesitate to say. Because <laughs> I don't know for sure where you are. But if I know, I don't have to lie. I can say nothing. Okay? So I hope if somebody is after to kill me and you have a chance, you just say nothing. Don't tell them where I am. Okay? That's all right. All right. Now, uh, I'm going to complete some of this a little later, so stay with me here. Uh, don't prejudge all of this. Um, let's go to 1 Samuel, the 21st chapter, here, and uh, verse 2. Well, beginning in verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to meet with him. And... Um, Oh, that's, that's the wrong uh, verse back up to chapter 21. Uh, in the meantime, then, David came to Nob, to Abimelech, the priest. And Abimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why are you alone and no man with you? Now, remember, David is running and hiding from Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, the priest, The king has commanded me a business. And has said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send you, and what I have commanded you. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under your hand? Give me some bread. And so the priest said, Well, you can't give you this holy bread because you might be unclean. Well, our young men are there, not been with the women for several days, so they're clean, so we'll eat the holy bread. You know the rest of the story. Here's the point. David lied to him. He told him, the king has sent me on business, and I can't tell you what all it's about, but this is a kind of a, like a secret mission. How did he get away with that? A man after God's own heart. 
well, we already know David's a murderer, a conspiratorial, conniving, scheming adulteress. I mean, to tell lies to the priest? Okay. Keep our, keep our judgment till, till the end here, till I, till I finish all these illustrations and examples. And you remember here a number of weeks ago I had a message on flawed heroes. Talked about all of the Bible characters that we know, everyone. There's a, fall, a fault and a flaw in their character except one man, Jesus Christ. We keep hearing that from others from the pulpit. We know that. Only one man has been perfect without sin, always told the truth. And uh, only he, but let's, let's continue on now. Uh, let's go to uh, 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. 2 Kings 5, verse 20 through 27. It came to pass when they were come unto Samaria. Well, first... The, uh, the back up a little bit. The king of Syria had brought uh, a army against looking for Elisha because he's told him the king, you know, they set traps, ambushes for, for the Israelites. And they would always go somewhere else. And so their commander told the Syrian king, well, what happens is there's a prophet that comes and tells them and everything that you say, even in your bedroom, God knows and he tells them and so they escape. And uh, so they, the king said, well, you go find that prophet. You go to Dotham, and where is he? He says, in Dotham. Go, go get him, and I'm going to kill him. Go bring him here, Elisha. And uh, so they had sent the armies out to uh, surround the city to capture Elisha. And when they had gone out in the country, and the servant looked up, and he saw all these armies, and he said to Elisha, well, what are we going to do? And Elisha said, don't worry. There's more with us than with them. Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And he opened his eyes and on the hills were these angelic armies, chariots and horses and soldiers, angels that outnumbered the Syrians. And so Elisha went up to them and said, um, oh, what are you look who are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for Elisha. And he said, well, he's, he's not there in that city, but let me show you where he is. So he said, come with me. So they all started following, and then he prayed, and God smote the army blindness. And he took them to the city about 20 miles away. He took them to Samaria and took them inside. And, of course, there's all kinds of, this is the capital, all the military, the uh, Israelite armies around. And so they're surrounding him. And then Elisha said, God, open their eyes, and they can see and they opened the eyes of the soldiers, and they saw, well, this is uh, verse 20. It came to pass when they were come into Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw him, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And Elisha said, You shall not smite them. Would you smite those whom you have taken captive with the sword and with the bow, set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provisions for them, and when they had eaten and drunk, 
He sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. Okay. Uh, Here's the question. Did Elisha lie to them and said, he's not here, but I'll show you where he is? Now listen. Go back to verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city about. So they were, they had left the city and they were out there where they could see surrounding the city. So Elisha did not tell a lie. He wasn't in the city. And he just didn't tell all the truth. But he said, come on, I'm going to show you where he is. And he took him, and that's where he was in Samaria, right? Wasn't he there? And when the soldiers opened his eyes, he was there. So the soldiers gave up because, you know, they would have cost them their life. So Elijah, instead of killing them, fed them, watered them, sent them on their way. And he did a nice deed to them. And so good came from that. And so he didn't exactly lie. He just didn't tell all the truth all the way. He didn't put himself in a situation where he wasn't. He just said, come on, you want to know where he is? He didn't even say he's not over there. He just said, you want to know? Come on, I'll show you. Uh, He said uh, to him, um, uh, oh, I didn't read all of that. Uh, Verse 19, Elisha said unto them, this is not the way, neither in this city. Follow me. And I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led him to Samaria. He didn't lead him to Dothan because Elisha wasn't in Dothan. He was right there. He led him to Syria. So he didn't technically uh, tell a lie. Now, let's go back to uh, a little bit here to the sixth chapter. Uh, uh, No, I want to go to... um, 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. Back up, back up a little bit here. Uh, now, I'm going to show you just, this is, this is an, an outright lie. Remember the situation where the captain of the host of the Syrians had leprosy. And so the little, little girl had told them, said, well, I know there's a, there's a prophet in Israel that can heal you if you go there. So he told the king, and the king said, well, I'm going to send you there to be healed, and I'm going to send a lot of money and a lot of raiment of clothes, and he sent a bunch of uh, money with this man to go to be healed. And so when he came to Elisha, Elisha told him, well, go, rip, go dip in the river. I, I can't take your money. I, I, I can't take any of your clothes. No, just but let me tell you what to do. Go dip in the river Jordan seven times, and you'll be cleansed. And the guy got all upset because he expected great miracles and flashing things to happen and all of this, but it was just a little direction. Go dip in the river Jordan and you'll be healed. So the servant then convinced the guy. says, hey, no. Go ahead and do it and, and try it. So he went and he dipped in the river Jordan. He was healed. He came out. So he went on his way. And, he, and Elisha refused the money and clothes and all this. And mules load and bear a lot of money. But his servant Gehazi, verse 20, um, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, he, he, he tracked him down. Uh, my master has spared Nahum this Syrian in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I'll run after him and take somewhat of him. So Gehazi followed after Nahum. And uh, when Nahum 
saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me a lie, a direct lie. My master has sent me saying, Behold, even now these be come to me from Mount Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray you, a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. And Naaman said, uh, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver and two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon the two of his servants and they bare them before him. And uh, when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house. He hid them for himself. And he let the men go and they departed. Pretty good deal, wasn't it? And he went in and he stood before his master, just like nothing had happened. And Elisha said unto him, uh, Where are you coming you from, Gehazi? And he said, uh, Your servant went nowhere. The second lie. Oh, I didn't go anywhere. Verse 26, Elisha said unto him, Went not my heart with you when the man turned again from his chariot to meet you? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and manservant and maidservant? The leprosy thereof, Naaman, shall cleave unto you and unto your seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. You see, the guy thought he lied, he could get away with it, but God knew. Remember the little bird that tells? God knew, and he revealed it to Elijah. And Elijah saw all of this. How he saw it, I don't know. I'm going to ask Elijah, how did you know all of that? Did God tell you, or did you see it in Technicolor, or a hologram, or see all that happening? He knew he was lying, and the guy was bald-faced, lie twice to his face. But Elisha knew the truth. And look at the consequences of a deliberate lie where God and the man of God knew better and knew the truth. Now, um, let's go to Jeremiah. A great prophet, a great man of God, a, a, a great character. And um, we know Jeremiah suffered a lot because as uh, in that 6th century, leading up to 6th century, as the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar were attacking the city and the temple and all the things that were going on and Jeremiah was trying to encourage the people because he knew that the city would be falling to Nebuchadnezzar, to the Babylonians. He encouraged them to surrender and it'd be better for you to go in captivity to the Babylonians than to go to the Egypt. And he kept telling them, don't go to Egypt because God had warned them, don't go there because it would be bad for them. And uh, so, um, let me see, I want to go to verse... Uh, well, I've had a sermon a long time ago on this. Verse 17, Zedekiah the king sent and took him out, took him out of prison. And the king asked him secretly in his house, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. For he said, You shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. And so, uh, 
in chapter 38 now, in verse 24 through 27, uh, Zedekiah had taken Jeremiah out of prison and he was talking to him. And uh, Jeremiah still held to that, you know, you're going to, you're going to be uh, suffering defeat by the Babylonians. And in verse 24, Then says Zedekiah unto Jeremiah, Let no man know of these words, and you shall not die. But if the princes hear that I have talked with you, and they come unto you, and say unto you, Declare unto us now what you have said unto the king, Hide not it from us, and we'll not put you to death. Also what the king said unto you. So, you got somebody and they come and tell us what was our conversation about. This is what you're saying to them, verse 26. I presented my supplication before the king that he would not cause me to return to Jonathan's house to die there. Then came all the princes unto Jeremiah and asked him, and he told them according to all these words that the king had commanded. So they left off speaking with him, for the matter was not perceived. So Jeremiah abode in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken, and he was there when Jerusalem was taken. So you see what's happening. The king told him, don't tell him about our conversation about the defeat and, and going into Babylonian captivity. You tell him that uh, you asked me permission to get out of Jonathan's prison because you're going to die there because Jonathan was a cruel. I mean, Jeremiah knew he would die there. And uh, so you tell him this story, not what we talked about, but you tell him this story. And so Jeremiah, when they came and asked him, what did you guys talk about? He told them what the king told him to tell them. Did Jeremiah lie? Let's back up here. Just a little bit here to uh, chapter 37. And I was reading to you about Zedekiah took him out of prison, Jonathan's prison, and was interviewing him here. And um, verse 19, where, this is in chapter 37, verse 19. Where are now your prophets which prophesied unto you, saying, The king of Babylon shall not come against you, nor against this land. That's what the false prophets were, were lying and saying. And Jeremiah is saying, Therefore, hear now, I pray you, O Lord the King, let my supplication, I pray you, be accepted before you, that you cause me not to return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die. Then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah into the court of the prison, and that they should give him daily a piece of bread out of the baker's street until all the bread in the city was spent. Thus Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. So Jeremiah had previously told the king, don't put me back in Jonathan's prison because I'll die. He'll kill me. Save me. And so what the king told Jeremiah in chapter 38 was the truth of an earlier conversation that they had just had earlier. So Jeremiah told the truth. This is what the king, he didn't tell all the truth. He didn't tell all the details, but he told the truth in this situation. Okay, you can go back and read. That's 
That's a good, I think this is a good exercise because there's, there are puzzles in the Bible that here a little and there a little and we read here a little and we read there a little. It's cleared up and we get all the story. It's not all written just like in Revelation. There's overlays and overlays and overlays and intersets and, and until you put it all from this point of view and then you tack from this. You know, you've explained, I've explained this before about when a sailor and he's going against the wind, he tacks. He'll tack this way. Then he'll go this way. Then he'll go this way. Cross wind because you can't sail directly into the wind but you'll get to there from here by tacking and going different directions. And that's the way the scriptures are sometimes when we read them. We put them together here a little and there a little. And we didn't have the earlier conversation of Zedekiah and Jeremiah just in chapter 37, a few verses earlier. We would think, Jeremiah lied. But now we see he didn't lie. He told the truth. Now, let's go to another uh, one in uh, Joshua, the uh, second chapter. Back in Joshua, second chapter, we, we know this one. And Joshua, well, let me kind of hasten it up a little bit here. Joshua sent a couple of spies into the promised land into Shittim to spy out, saying, Go spy out Jericho. And they went and they came to a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Rahab the harlot, you know this. Now, some will listen to say, Well, she was an innkeeper. She wasn't a harlot. Okay, well, it doesn't really matter because the Bible in the Old Testament, New Testament, both call her a harlot. And she was a direct descendant in the line of Jesus Christ. So one of Jesus Christ's forebears was a harlot. Now, it makes sense if you're spying and you're going into a foreign country, you want to go to either an inn, like a lot of people coming and going, so they wouldn't figure it out, or you'll go to a harlot's house, because a lot of guys go there, come and go, and they're not going to check, you know. Well, what'd you go to that harlot's house for? Why do people go to a harlot's house? I mean, let's get real. Some of the women are covering their eyes like that. <laughs> okay, so now she, so Rahab hides them because they're coming to search for them. And it was told the king, hey, there's a couple of guys came in the night to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab saying, bring forth the men that are come to you. Uh, they knew they went there, which are entered into your house for they come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I don't know where they were. I don't know whence they were. I don't know where they came from. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I don't know. Pursue after them quickly. Uh, go get them, for you shall overtake them. But she brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan, to uh, the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. Okay, then what happened was they came down later and they promised her, you know, we're going to protect your house when we come in to invade this land in Jericho. So what you got to do is put a red 
rope outside your window of threads. So when we come in to know that this is the house that we're protected. And so sure enough, when the Israelites came in against Jericho, Joshua told them, go get that woman and her family and everybody in it. And so she was protected. And then she uh, married into the family of Boaz and became uh, one of the uh, forebears of uh, Jesus Christ in the line from uh, uh, David right on through to uh, Mary. And you can read that in Matthew, the first chapter. Now, let's go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of more examples here, but let's just go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and uh, verse 31. I don't know if I, yeah, maybe if I had this written, some of these I may not have written down for Brian. Uh, Hebrews 11.31 says, uh, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now she told them, and you go back and read the rest of the story, I know that Israel's coming, I know that they defeated uh, enemies against them, and I know God has given this land to them. So whether she was a Gentile convert, whether she had heard, how much she had heard and believed, uh, seemed to be, she knew about what was going on and was aware and she was trying to help them and help Israel and help God. And so she's commended here for her faith, by faith. And it says uh, here, uh, they, uh, verse uh, 39, these all, David, all of them listed Moses, all of them, Abraham, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And so God is commending her faith, not the lie she told. Now, I'm not going to lie when they come after you. I'm just going to say, I don't know, if I don't know. Or I'm going to say nothing, or not knowing for sure, I hesitate to say. If they cut off my neck, I've saved your life, maybe. I hope you'll reciprocate and do the same for me, as we discussed earlier. And so, her faith is what is commended by God, not her lie. Okay. Because evidently she did lie. She lied to them. I don't know. And she had them hidden. She knew where they were. An outright lie. Now let's go quickly to back to uh, Genesis because I've covered this before. But uh, just for the sake of this message because some might not have uh, been here then. But uh, let's go back to Genesis the 20th chapter. And... Um, Twenty and chapter 26. Chapter 20. Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. Okay, and this got found out later. Now let's go to Genesis 26 because... Uh, Abraham's son, a few years later, Isaac, remember, was married to Rebekah, his cousin. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. 
And uh, Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar, the same area where Abraham had gone. The son went there. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall show you. Sojourn in this land, and uh, I will bless you. And so, skip up to verse 27. No, I wrote, I wrote, uh, okay, I, I wrote the wrong verse down, but what I'm going to say is that Isaac told Abimelech the same story. Rebecca is my sister. That was a lie. Verse 7. Uh, chapter 26, verse 7. Yeah. And the men of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, she's my sister. For he feared to say, she is my wife. Lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca, because she was beautiful or fair to look upon. So he was afraid of his life, and he told an outright lie. Now, Let's go on a little bit here to uh, maybe kind of help us clear some of this up. First John, the second chapter, New Testament. First John. Two. Twenty-one. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Okay. What this tells us is that the truth stands on its own. You don't need to prop it up with a lie. We don't need to mix a lie with the truth to make the truth stronger. You see what I'm saying? There is truth, and there is a lie. And I know there's variations in between that, and men put all kinds of gray areas and variations in there. We don't need to lie and say, Jesus was born on December 25th. And all these things have great significance. And the angels were firemen. They came from afar. <laughs> and uh, a <laughs> little private joke there. So we don't need, no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whosoever denies the Son, the same is not the Father. So here's the truth. There is only one truth, one true religion. Jesus Christ and the Father in that relationship. I don't, well, I do care, but we understand that in the world today, there's great moves in the world to do away with the truth and to downplay the truth and to substitute different religions and ideologies and isms and all kinds of different beliefs and political and military and religious 
things mixed in to try to downplay and destroy our foundation of our beliefs of our nation and of the Bible and of Christ. And so we can't believe a lie. We have to believe the truth. No lie is of the truth. We can't mix it up a little bit and, and make it more attractive by saying, you know, uh, this is, this is uh, okay. Now, First John, back up a little bit here to chapter uh, 1, verse 6. We know all these scriptures, First John 1, 6. If we say that we have no fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. My little children... These things are right unto you, that you sin not. And, now, some translations have the conjunction and as but. You can look up a different translations. But, and it, make, it can mean, the Hebrew word can also, that's translated here, and, and the Greek can also be, not Hebrew, but Greek, can also be translated with but. So, the translators have and, and it's consistent, it's okay. So we could read it, and or but. It means the same thing. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Uh, and uh, goes on more. John shows more about uh, loving God and keeping his commandments. And uh, now, here's the thing. I don't know if some of those biblical saints, after they lied, that we saw a few that was questionable and some that was outright blatant, if they repented, if they asked God to forgive them after that, I don't know that. We'll find out later. Regardless, we know that we, believers, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't tell any kind of a lie. But if inadvertently we speak something or we say something, we realize later, well, you know, that wasn't exactly, I didn't have all the information or under weakness or whatever, somebody lies, you know. Uh, now, now, don't tell them where I am and then repent. Just kind of keep that, uh, uh, you know. And uh, so we don't know that. We'll, we won't know, but we know this. Anybody that repents, anybody that says, God, forgive me, he'll forgive them. What's commended by all of these saints, if you go through in Hebrews 11, is the faith, the thing. They're commended by certain things in their character. David's not commended for lying, and, and we have enough about David to know this guy, he was, a, he was a pretty ornery rascal. I mean, a guy that could kill all those people. I mean. I, I'm going to be real quiet and careful when I ask him those questions because uh, in the kingdom I'm going to trust he's going to be kind of mellowed out a little bit and uh, be a little easier to talk to. Uh, but let's go, let's go on just a little bit here. Uh, 
Back to uh, Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. Deuteronomy 32 and uh, verse 4. Talking about God, ascribe greatness unto our God, verse 3. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. Right decisions. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. And in Psalm 146, verse 6. God, which made heaven and the earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keeps truth forever. Thank God He's going to keep truth forever. Now we see darkly. Now we don't quite understand all of it. But ultimately and eventually it's going to be cleared up. And all the gray areas and all the uncertainties and all the questions that we have that we're storing up. We got a lot of them. I've been giving you some to ask. Find out. It's going to be cleared up. Because there's some things now that uh, are here little and there little and we don't quite understand and it's dark and, and uncertainty, but uh, eventually it'll be cleared up. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And verse 25. This uh, talking to us. supposed to put on the new man, renewed in righteousness and true holiness. Verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I think that's, I think I'm speaking positively. We know we try to be truthful. We try to talk truthfully to one another and, and avoid uh, lying and, and those uh, uh, half-truths and little things, you know, that... Um, um, you know, that uh, we get caught up in some time, but we, we are to tell the truth, and we should be telling our children, and, and unfortunately the society is based on a lie, so much of the things that uh, uh, we know, even we see the first liar we know was Satan the devil. You know, he, Jesus, John said, was a liar from the beginning. He was a murderer, and John, remember Jesus said, the devil lied from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning. Uh, he's the father of lies. You remember the first lie in the Bible? First, the second lie I told you about is uh, denying the father and son. That's the second greatest lie that religions are doing away with. But the first lie is the immortal soul that a woman had. Remember when Satan came and told, well, don't you know God's not telling you the truth? Man won't die. He'll live forever. That was the first lie that, about the immortal soul. So, uh, in closing, uh, turn to Proverbs uh, 14.5. Proverbs 14.5. Five. A faithful witness will not lie. But a false witness will utter lies.
Now, in the New Testament especially, uh, the word for witness is martis. And we get that from the word martyr that we know. A martyr is one who gives his life as a witness at the expense of his own life. In other words, a martis, a martyr, you, we know what a martyr is. You give up your life for the truth to protect someone else. Uh, and uh, so if we are going to be a, and, and there's over 300 different references to witnessing and uh, telling the truth and uh, telling lies. I didn't want to go into all, so many, 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 many different scriptures that we already know about. But we know that we are to be a faithful witness and to tell the truth. And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we just have to, not make an excuse for it, but we have to understand that uh, at a time, you know, that uh, maybe there is some inadvertent weakness in our life that uh, upon repentance, God can forgive and will forgive. And so we have to keep trusting in that, that, uh, you know, that will uh, take place in our life. In uh, the commercial business that's going on in the world, we get so frustrated. Sometimes we see false weights and false packages. And uh, remember, uh, some of us might remember a few years ago when uh, there was a big scandal about uh, the uh, wheat and grains and things that were being shipped out of, I think it was Houston, the port in Houston to overseas, how a lot of the countries were complaining because of the dirt and the grime and the, and the grit that was in it. We found out later their truck drivers were hauling dirt and gravel over to the uh, loading docks there, and they were blowing that in with their grain and things, you know, to make it more weight. You, you buy a package, you know, it's like this, and you got this much in it, you know, you get home. You buy a frozen package, you say, hey, it's half filled with frozen water. So you're buying 12 ounces of vegetable, but it's got three ounces of frozen water in it. Uh, we all see that and deal with that in, in the commercial uh, world where, you know, we know we're being cheated. The sale, the, the, the great joke about the used car, never buy a used car, you know. Especially right now, be very careful. Don't know about all those flooded automobiles back on the East Coast that might be showing up in here in the Midwest, you know, that's been flooded. Uh, we just have to uh, be careful about in the commercial and the business. That, uh, we know that. We just get so aggravated. Religion, false doctrines, holidays, this religious stories that are told that aren't true, that we know aren't true, the political. Oh, we could talk all day or get my soapbox up here. I just have to shut up sometimes because of politicians, you know, liars, hypocrites. I've seen, I've heard you. We could stand, we could spend a lot of time here, everybody. How many of you got some stories they could tell about the lying politicians? Ooh. Okay. Society, social. God approves this, God approves that, you know. Don't get me started on that either. <laughs> well, that's all I, I can say today, I guess. I, I got more, but we'll, we'll close at that. Okay. <laughs>